everybody, it's Martin Kiernan here this week and uh, I'm down at the School of Pharmacy in Cardiff where I'm going to be chatting to Professor Jean-Yves Maillard. Jean-Yves, nice to see you. Yeah, very nice to see you, Martin. Before we um, get talking about biofilm, I mean, what's, what's your history? Because uh, you're working in the School of Pharmacy, but you work on disinfectants and you work on biofilm. So how did you get to where you are now? Well, uh, a long time ago, <laughs> when I was younger, I had the, the chance to do a, a PhD for Denver Russell, and he was Mr. Disinfectant. I mean, he, he wrote all the textbooks on disinfections. Uh, so I was lucky enough to do a PhD for him, and when I finished that PhD, after a break, uh, going back to France for a year, being a, in the military, then I had uh, the opportunity to, to come back for a lectureship in the okay. School of Pharmacy. So I work alongside Denver Russell on disinfection. Um, and that meant understanding the way disinfectant work, uh, understanding microbial resistance. And I work with all microorganisms and, of course, biofilms as well. Mm. Uh, so uh, because it's academia and it's in the UK, then you're researching whatever you can fund, you know, where you can okay. find the funding. Yeah. But uh, for quite a number of years, I mean, you probably remember that yourself, and at the start, then, there was a huge denial that surfaces were important in infection control. Yes. Uh, everybody's <laughs> saying, well, that's not important, you know, uh, why bother? Um, but uh, we, very early on, we knew that it was very important to control surfaces, and, and, and disinfection was, was part of it, cleaning on disinfection was part of that. And a... Uh, I believe so. After the massive outbreaks of MRSA and then followed by C. diff, then people starting to realise that actually surfaces yeah. and cleaning on, on disinfection were extremely important to us. Yeah. Um, so um, that's really boosted uh, the amount of funding you're, you, you can you can yeah, get in I mean, academia. That that was the sea change really, because I remember the MRSA targets coming in and people like Tim Boswell actually looking at air filtration, which we're now looking at again for another reason, but to remove MRSA from the air and actually that reduces contamination of surfaces. And C. diff was all about poor antibiotic use and the environment. So. Absolutely, yes, yeah. yes. So the things so things have changed a lot. Yeah. Of course now we yeah, I think now people are far more aware about uh, infections uh, on the role of surfaces. Mm. Uh, I was pleased during COVID to see actually lots more people using hand gels and being more uh, keen to do some cleaning and disinfection. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, that didn't stick, though, did it? <laughs> that that Not was very you know well. No. Uh, 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 well, in the middle of COVID, talking to some colleagues uh, where we're promoting hygiene um, or targeted hygiene. At home, then our biggest challenge was in the future looking at what after COVID, you know, are they going to maintain those very good habits? Yes. And they were very good habits, you know. Yeah, they were. Public transport, yeah. well, then use your hand gel when you finish and yeah. so on, then decrease infection. Um, and, and it's still a challenge, but I'm afraid, uh, I don't want really to be political, but uh, sometimes examples need, need to come from the top. Yes. <laughs> on on yeah. some country that did not really happened no. whatsoever. No, the example in this country wasn't great from the top. But I mean, yeah. my experience coming down on the train yesterday, people coughing and splattering all over the place, not a mask in sight yeah. from people, you know. And I thought out of courtesy they might have carried on, but 
uh, there we are. Yeah, that will be a good example. Yeah, yeah. so that will be very good practices. Uh, mm. But again, I think there's been a stigma again coming from the top, mm. saying that no face mask, they're not needed anymore. That it was a, a burden to have a face mask. But my view is actually not. It wasn't. I didn't bother me wearing a face no. mask, and I think it was. It's much safer, you know? Yeah, uh, and courteous to others, really. Oh, absolutely, yes. Thinking of others, yes. Now, can we go on then to talk about your work on biofilm? Because there are some biofilms you can see, like a wet one, but the dry ones you don't see. That's right. And they're very difficult to actually detect unless you've got specialised methods. So for the average practitioner working in a healthcare setting, how do we convince them that actually dry biofilms exist in their environment because if they go sampling them, the chances are, as you've shown in your work, they don't grow anything with the conventional methods that they would use in their own micro lab. Mm -hmm. And therefore, how do we convince them that they're there and they're significant? Well, it, it, you know, it's the same problem when you look at the surface. The surface looks clean, but it doesn't mean that it's free of microorganisms. Yeah. So how do you convince people that actually your surface, even if it looks clean, that needs to be cleaned or disinfected, yeah. and especially if you know you've got a pathogen or a patient with a pathogen in a room, the surface needs to be disinfected. Even if the surface looks clean, you can't see it. So we saw a, you're referring to the, uh, the new dry surface biofilms that yeah. have been identified since 2012. Mm. So it's quite uh, 10 years ago only. So, um, um, so again, it, they're, they're very thin biofilms, only about 10, 12 microns. Right. Um, so that's not, not, not one <laughs> millimeter. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're very, very thin. Uh, and obviously, you, you cannot see them. Um, so with, with professionals like, like yourself, now you're aware of dry surface biofilms. I'm very pleased as well. In the UK, from a recent survey we've done last year, then actually a lot of healthcare professionals have heard of dry surface biofilm, mm. uh, which was very pleasing to know. Uh, but it's always the same issue, is, is you, you cannot see them. Mm. Uh, um, it's true that the way we, we study them is, at the moment, we need to destroy the surface. We, we collect the surface, <laughs> yes. we collect the surface, and then we, we can uh, do some electron microscopy, we can see those biofilms, and, and they look like biofilms, because uh, they've got the characteristic of a biofilm where you've got a, uh, the, the microorganism embedded in the matrix. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so we know the biofilms, uh, but uh, otherwise we do some some culture you know you put some nutrient in that and then you're, you're and that's you're the thing isn't it you have to you have to put some nutrient in if you just take a swab after you've cleaned mm. and disinfected you probably won't grow anything but from your work they do grow back within a few days depending on the temperature and the type of organism that's right that it? that's absolutely right absolutely mm. right they, they, on, and they can be quite complex as well so mm. so in my lab we develop some uh, single species so just one bacterium in in that biofilms or two bacteria in the biofilms but in in in, uh, in practice in the environment, then usually you've got multiple species mm. in in those biofilms. They're quite complex as well. Mm. Uh, but at the moment, you're right. There's no sort of easy detection method. No. Uh, we're working on that. Um, so we hope to able to to be able to provide some solutions where we actually purely for at least educations to say yes, you still have got a dry surface biofilm there. Yeah. The the difficulty as well of dry surface biofilms in the clinic is. They're, they're just random on the surface. You know, they're not covering the entire it's, it's as, surface. No, absolutely. They're just random, so you might miss them, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that so would be the difficult bit, wouldn't it? That, that's a difficult you get, bit. You get false <clears throat> confidence then, perhaps. Yeah, and, and that's all the problem after that is, <coughs> as you know, we, we believe is, uh, I strongly believe that those dry surface biofilms 
are a reservoir for pathogens. So when yeah. you've got a patient with a, a multidrug resistant organisms and then they leave the room, you disinfect, clean and disinfect the room. Uh, the, the naive patient that come after has got a good chance to getting that MDRO. Yeah. Uh, and, and nobody knows really where it's coming from. You know, there's mm. been loads of a theory uh, about it. A uh, few uh, anecdotes. I can't say the word. Anecdotal? Thank you. Anecdotal. Yeah, I can't say the words now. <laughs> yeah, some word. I'm just. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so some, some odd evidence <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that they're coming from, from very odd sources. But I believe they're coming from dry surface biofilms yeah. uh, because there you don't see them. And because I said they're quite random surfaces, then that means you need to be very thorough in your cleaning and disinfection of the surfaces. Otherwise, you won't you will get that. On, on the work we've done on dry surface biofilms that echo the work from, from Karen Vicker in, in, uh, in Sydney is you need to have mechanical removal on the surface. Yes. Good old elbow grease. Yeah, otherwise mm. it doesn't work. Just like a spray, uh, yeah. uh, with no mechanical removal, yeah. you won't touch those bifids. No, that's right, because, because I've seen some papers suggesting hydrogen peroxide doesn't penetrate particularly well, but UV, if you use it for in high enough concentration for a longer period, then that may that yeah. may be a physical method that might help a bit. Yes. But you can't beat physical removal, can you? That's right. Mechanical removal worked absolutely the best. Okay. I mean, what about things like, because Brett uh, sent me some questions from Australia. So what about things like sodium hypochlorite? Is they, how efficacious are they against biofilm? Well, I mean, as, as you know, I mean, sodium hypochlorite uh, it worked very well. Mm. Um, uh, against, like, do you, let's call them the wet biofilm, the one you've got in, in the drain. Uh, so... But uh, on, against dry surface biofilm, they, they do work, but not as well. Dry surface biofilm is another level of of insusceptibility compared to your wet biofilms mm -hmm. uh, because of the nature of the biofilm. It's dry. Yeah. Uh, on on the, uh, the, the the bacteria are a bit more dormant and they've got slightly different phenotypes. Um, but it, it's it's a um, so it works, but not as well as against the wet biofilms, mm. but it works. But uh, as you know, the issue with sodium hypochlorite is elsewhere as well. I mean, it's, it's surface compatibility, compatibility on, on damaging surfaces, on, yeah. on quite nasty residues as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's why there's a sort of a drive to get rid of sodium hypochlorite, even if it's quite cheap. Okay. I uh, mean, I mean, you said it works in drains. What about when you've got years' worth of biofilm and thick layers? Because chlorine gets deactivated by organic matter, doesn't yeah. it? So would it work quite as well there? And what it, about natural substances? Brett's asked me to ask you about vinegar and other... Yeah, it, you know, with sodium hypochlorite, it depends on the concentration. So very, very concentration will work. But the problem is not there with sodium hypochlorite. It's regrowth. You know, when yeah. the, it will not completely eliminate the biofilm, so it will decrease the number of of bio-burden in that biofilms, mm. but that biofilm will regrow eventually. Yes. And, and a, from what we've seen, it regrow an identical biofilm. So you think you eliminated all your nasties in that, in that drain, but you haven't. No. Within 24 hours, <laughs> 24 hours, it yeah. regrow. Yeah. So it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Now, as for other agents, I mean, uh, vinegar, you know, it's just very acidic. So, uh, yeah, we'll have some, some effect because of, of the acid, uh, but it will be very limited. Oh, okay. And if you, you need to uh, to like the uh, the smell of vinegar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to put a lot of it down as well, though, wouldn't you? I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, and Brett asked, asked me about preemptive chemical measures as well, and you mentioned Bacillus subtilis to me. So, uh, and that's registered as a disinfectant, I think, in some other countries. That, that, isn't that's it? right. I mean, preemptive is always good. I mean, uh, but that can be also chemical. I mean, mm. in some chemical, uh, if you use them regularly in your drain. Uh, um, then you, you control basically the bio burden you, you've got, you've you've got there in, in the drain. On on, on some 
some formulations uh, with oxidizing agent are are particularly good at controlling that. On, mm-hmm. on the, the, the level of bioavailability is very low. Level, yeah. on, on what you've got left is not the MDRO, but the spore formers. Okay. Uh, especially the bacillus uh, in, in those biofilms. Okay. Even if they're sporicidal, you still got some left, but you eliminated all the nasties. Um, now you've got other solutions. Yeah, I mentioned this sort of, uh, I don't want to say probiotic because it sounds a bit wrong. <laughs> it sounds but, like you but, drink it. But, yeah. but that, that's, that's the nature of that, is biological control. And, and uh, yes, bacillus subtilis. I mean, you've got few, well, sorry, you've got few a formulation based on bacillus, not necessarily, not necessarily uh, subtilis. Mm. And usually bacillus, they do produce a lot of surfactants and antimicrobials. And they have been used successfully uh, in some hospitals as a spray as a surface disinfectant. Uh, and they've been used as well to control a, a biofilms uh, as well. Mm. Uh, quite quite surprisingly, and, and seems to be working quite well against, mm. particularly against Pseudomonas. Uh, How does that work then? Does that just form its own layer that prevents organisms attaching? Or what um, I, I think the way it works is, is first elimination uh, because okay. of the surfactant they're, they're, they're having there, and after that it's competition, I okay. believe. Right. Uh, and the, the interesting, probably, with again, it's quite, it's quite a new sort of uh, 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 science, if I say so, uh, because what's interesting with the bacillus, the spore formers, so when the conditions are not right, they form spores. Yeah. When the conditions are right, like you're having lots of uh, food, let's say, and, yeah. and so on, like in, in, in a biofilm, like in a, in a drain or, or in a bean or, or and so on, that, that suddenly will regrow because the conditions are quite good. Mm. So potentially they've got a, a long-lasting effect of, of, of those uh, spore formers. Uh, okay. I, so, I actually read a paper recently that compared human sweat as a growth medium to culture media you would use in the lab and it's equally as good yeah so therefore people lying around <laughs> producing growth media in yeah. the hospital probably are not yeah <laughs> slowing down they, well you know if anything they're enhancing the growth of organisms on surfaces anyway and, yeah. and on themselves so. yeah, yeah but i mean there is a uh, i mean there is potential using sort of that would be a purely natural product i mean mm. okay you're thinking well i don't want to bust into bacteria but those ones are, are friendly bacteria i mean yeah, in, when you're looking at your, your on your skin, you've got all those bacteria protecting against infections, and like why in the gut? So uh, why not? That would be interesting. Hmm. Okay. Um, now you've just had a paper published with one of your PhD students, Izzy, uh, in AGIC about uh, Clebsiella pneumoniae forming dry surface biofilm, and you say after four weeks, culturability is low, but viability is high. So actually, you know, Brett's asking me, what does that actually mean? Practically, in, you know, for for us working it in a clinical setting. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a very good point, and and it sort of puzzled us as well as to as to why. On on the difference is uh, the way we do microbiology is uh, we re- rely on culturability, so that means the ability of the the bacterium you're studying to form colony on a nutrient agar mm-hmm. or a, a, a nutrient media. Um, the, but doesn't mean uh, some bacteria are not able to do that anymore. You can't form colonies, but they're viable. Right. Right. But they don't want to form colonies. They, if you want this sort of a dormant stage. Right. So they're viable, but non-culturable. And suddenly they revert into being culturable. Ah, okay. So, um, so a, it, it's a, probably a way of bacteria to survive longer on, on the surface, on the media. Uh, and, and that was quite interesting and maybe not that surprising because when we're looking, especially in dry surface biofilm, 
those are very tough conditions. Desiccations is yeah. very tough conditions. And on with Klebsiella, uh, I mean, were you surprised that Klebsiella would form dry surface biofilm? Yeah, we we are very surprised. And on when when my PhD is he. Uh, uh, gave me the result. I said, "Well, that's wrong. Do it again." <laughs> um, because for me, I, I thought that it would be more like uh, E. coli, so doesn't like desiccation whatsoever. So I was very, very surprised that actually uh, uh, it it really thrived uh, or formed nice dry surface biofilms. On those Klebsiella, were, were not capsule producer either, so mm. they were not protected necessarily against desiccation. Okay, uh, but they still from dry surface biofilm, so it was very, very surprising results. I mean, are there are then other gram negatives that you would be even more surprised that they produce biofilm that we should start thinking about? Because we know Acinetobacter does. I mean, that, that's yeah, been shown for quite. I some mean, time. for the dry surface biofilm, Acinetobacter form mm. very nice dry surface biofilm because mm. he, uh, he can resist desiccation. So, so at the end of the day, is whether or not that bacteria can resist desiccation or not. Okay. Uh, on on again with Klebsiella, going back to the literature, there's hardly any information that Klebsiella uh, can withstand desiccation. Mm. Okay. And E. coli, you, you don't think would survive desiccation? Or it doesn't like are, it. are you now thinking, it, well, it, well it, we may it, be able to? No, it doesn't like desiccation. Okay. So okay. it's very difficult to form a dry surface biofilm with E. coli. Okay. Maybe not impossible in very complex biofilm where it's somewhat protected from oh. desiccation. Because you get multi species, don't That's you? Right. And so uh, yeah. if there's enough of a layer around, then it may survive that within that. But we, uh, in the lab, just impossible to do. On with Klebsiella, uh, obviously, when you look under the microscope, they are desiccated, still in the matrix, in the biofilm. Um, so it's maybe not surprising that they've got the ability to say, well, hold on a second, I don't want to, to grow and form colonies and divide. I'm going to stay the way I am. And, and but still viable, but I'm not doing anything. Okay. But that means, for us, clinically, uh, or in the practice, and those bacteria that are in that state, they still pose a risk because yeah. you know in the medium or long term, they can revert into a fully growing, actively growing... So if they got to a susceptible uh, site, then they could... Yeah, absolutely. ...pick up again from it. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, you could, again, you could have false confidence if you go around culturing it with our normal methods we might use in a yeah. hospital, uh, which probably isn't that great. I mean, not really accredited to do surface sampling anyway, that we're going to grow nothing at all. Yeah. And then you get a new Klebsiella pneumonia from patient three months down the line. Yeah. And think, where's that come from? It's the same strain we had three months ago. We've got no other patients that we know of with it, and yeah. that's that's possible. I, I don't think that you've got many studies that have really looked at, at those properties of those, those pathogens on, on the impact, the clinical impact on those. Yeah. But I think it's it's um, it, it's worth investigating and knowing uh, more uh, about it. Okay. Okay. Mm, okay, well, that's been fascinating, Johnny, as ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Again, I've got probably more questions than... <laughs> oh, any time, Martin, yeah, yeah. any time. Yeah, yeah. Even but with Brett, any time. It's always a pleasure to be here. Okay, really grateful for the Thanks very much indeed. You're welcome, Martin. Okay, and I look forward to speaking to everybody again on the next edition of Infection Control Matters. Mm-hmm.